Well, as we continue on in the midst of this great pandemic, uh, certainly this is a difficult time by anybody's standards. And so for the last few weeks, we've been studying about the life of Joseph in the Old Testament because he's a person who went through a lot of hard times in his life. And so I thought, well, we're going through a hard time. Joseph went through hard times. Maybe it would be good to try to learn some things from his life that we could apply to ours. And we've seen in the last two Sundays that one of the ways Joseph made it through his trial and his struggle is, first of all, he had a heart that was full of faith. And secondly, we saw last week that Joseph had a heart that was full of love and free of bitterness. And this morning, we're going to see that Joseph had a heart that was full of patience as he just waited on God's timing to do what it was that God had placed on his heart. And I think that's what we all need right now. Not only faith saying, God, I trust you. Not only love in our hearts, even for people who may have hurt us or done us wrong in some way, but we need patience that we could say to God, God, I know that you're in control. I know that your timing is perfect. I don't know when this virus is gonna end. Don't know when things are gonna get back to normal. But God, as I wait it out, I just wanna wait patiently and I want you uh, to do in me everything that you wanna do during this trial. So that said, if you have your Bible today, and I hope you do, I wish you would open it to the book of Genesis and we're gonna begin in chapter number 37. Now, those of us who are familiar with the story of Joseph, we know that Joseph, when he was a young man, had two dreams. They were basically the same dream twice, or at least the interpretation of the dream was the same. God had given Joseph a dream that one day that God was going to do something great and special in his life, that Joseph was going to be in a position where he could help others, where he could be a blessing to people. And yet from the time Joseph had that dream until the time when that dream became a reality, Joseph had to wait a long, long time. So let's just dive right in. Genesis chapter number 37, and look first of all in verse number two. The Bible says, this is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old. So at the beginning of this story, Joseph is only 17, and he was feeding the flock of his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now look in verse number five. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So the brothers are now hating Joseph because he's the favorite child. And so they resent him for that. And also because... He's had this dream that he's going to do something great, and they're thinking, well, who do you think you are? Well, in verse number nine, it says, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. And so the point I'm making here, when Joseph was 17 years of age, he had these two dreams that one day God was going to do something great in his life. But turn to chapter number 41, because I want us to see that those dreams were not fulfilled immediately. Joseph had to wait a long time. So in Genesis chapter 41, look in verse number 46, 41, 46. It says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so when he was 30, what happened to Joseph? He became the prime minister of Egypt. He became the governor, we would say, of the land. He became the second most powerful person in all the land of Egypt. Now think about this. At 17, he had a dream. God's gonna do something great in his life. 
when he was 30, that dream became a reality. But for 13 years, Joseph had to wait on God's timing. He had to wait for that dream to become a reality. And so here's the question. What was God doing during those 13 years? When Joseph was having to wait, what was God doing? Well, I want to give you a scripture verse today, and you can just jot this down, and we're going to look at it again at the end of the message, if I can remember to do it at the end. But in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, and in verse number 16, this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy eight sixteen, and the last half of that verse is so instructive, and listen to what it says, that God might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. During these 13 years, these were the two things that God was doing in the life of Joseph. He was humbling him and he was testing him. Humbling him. Why was he humbling Joseph? Well, because God certainly knew that his plan for Joseph's life was for Joseph to have this high-ranking position in Egypt, but God did not want Joseph to strut into that new job. He didn't want him to be arrogant and to one day walk into his new office and say, here I am and I'm ready to save the world. No, God knew that Joseph needed to be humbled and we all need to be humbled. And so God set about to to make sure that Joseph had no arrogance, no pride in his life, but that he was humble in his heart before he got to that position. And then the second thing that God was doing in Joseph's life is that he was testing him. What did the verse say, Deuteronomy 8, 16? That he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. And so that's why I'm calling the title of the message today, When the Dream is Delayed. It may be, and it's pro- it probably is, that God has placed some dream in your heart. You know, when we're young, we have a dream of, of getting, for example, to become 16 years old, and, and then when we're 16, we get a driver's license and drive a car. And then we have a dream of graduating from high school and going to college or going to work if we don't go to college and and making money. And then we have a dream of graduating if we go to college. And then most people have a dream to get married. And then they have a dream to have a family of their own, children of their own. And then they have a dream to buy a house. And then they have a dream to pay for their house. And then they have a dream to retire. And and some people have a a dream to be a teacher or to be a doctor. Some people have a dream to be a a missionary or be a pastor. We have all these dreams in our heart. And yet sometimes between the time that God gives us the dream and the time that the dream becomes a reality in our lives, we have to wait. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. Many times the dream is delayed. Certainly right now, one of the dreams we all have is for this COVID-19 to go away so that we can get back to normal. We can come back to church. We can go to the grocery store and go out to a restaurant, not have to wear a mask, not have to worry about infecting each other or being infected by one another, but where life can just be back to normal. We all have that dream. And it looked like about five or six weeks ago when we started having services back here at the church that we were getting closer to that dream being fulfilled and then things got bad again, got worse actually. And so the dream has been delayed. And so the question is, what is God up to when the dreams we have in life are delayed? Well, I'm telling you what he's up to. God's word tells us what he's up to. He's humbling us and he's testing us. And so all of us now are being tested by God. It's, it's not typical that we would all go through a test at the same time. Sometime my mother was telling she had 
cancer last year. Well, she was going through a test. Our whole family was going through a test when she was going through that. But not everybody was going through the test at the same time. Maybe you've been through cancer or some, something major in your life, and you say, man, I, I'm, I went through a test. Well, when you were going through that test, we weren't going through that same test with you. That was your test. But now we're all being tested at the same time. And as God is testing us, one of the things he's doing is trying to give us more patience And God is saying to us, if you will be willing to wait, Joseph waited 13 years. Now, we're not going to have to wait. We hope we don't wait 13 years, and we don't have to wait that long on this virus to go away. But we nonetheless have to wait. And while we're waiting, God wants to do some great things in our lives. And so I thought it might be helpful this morning just to give you a test. We're talking about God testing us. And so I want to give you a five-question test that I'm just calling God's test. And for all of us who are waiting on this virus to end, some of you are waiting on uh, a job because maybe you've lost your job. Others are waiting on something medical. Who knows what you're waiting on, but we're all waiting on this virus to end. So I wanna give you a five-question test. This is God's test. Each question is worth 20 points. So if you answer them all correctly, you get 100 on the test. You pass the test with flying colors. But I think these questions, as we think about these, really get to the heart of what God is up to and why God is allowing this virus to go on and on. Question number one. Now, this is a very revealing question, but I want you to think about it. Here's the question. What's more important, your dream or God himself? What's more important, your dream or God himself? I think sometimes in life we have a dream or we have a desire, something we want to do in life. And yet if we're not careful, that dream can become more important to us than God is. If you think about it, during those 13 years that Joseph had to wait for his dream to become a reality, he wasn't, that dream was was nothing but a dream. It it, it, It hadn't happened yet. The only thing that Joseph had during those 13 years was God. And so I want to say to you today, you may have a lot of dreams in your life, a lot of goals in your life, a lot of things you want to do in your life. And some of those things may even be for God and for the kingdom of God. And that's a great thing. But the dream that you have, no matter how noble or high the dream, the dream is never as important as God himself. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, pursue your dreams. Well, there's a sense in which that's true. Uh, When I was 18 years old, I felt like God had placed a dream in my heart, a calling on my life to be a minister. So I had to begin to pursue that and I had to begin to prepare that. So there there is a sense in that we do have to pursue our dreams. But did you know as you read the Bible, you don't read nearly as much about pursuing your dreams as you read about pursuing God. Matthew chapter six and verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so, sure, if God's placed a dream in your heart or certainly a calling on your life and something you feel like you have to prepare for, yes, there is a sense in which you pursue that, but you should never pursue that as passionately as you pursue God himself. And so your dream, to get a driver's license, to graduate college, to be married, to have kids, to make more money, to retire, to buy a house, whatever. Those are good dreams, but that's nowhere near as important as God himself. So that's first question. What's more important to you, your dream or God himself? Question number two, what's more important, your pleasure or your purity? 
your pleasure or your purity. I think a lot of times in life when, when we're going through a time of waiting and it doesn't seem like anything's changing in our lives, our circumstances are the same day after day after day, month after month after month, year after year after year. I think sometime we can ask, we, we would say to, our, we can say to ourselves, well, what's the point of me even trying to be holy and godly and, and pure? Because nothing good's happening in my life. Well, that's part of the test because God's wanting to know when nothing is changing in your circumstances, are you still going to pursue purity as a lifestyle or are you going to just sell out and say, no, it's not about purity anymore. It's just about my pleasure because I think God has forgotten about me. Now, turn back in Genesis to chapter number 39 because Joseph, this was part of Joseph's test as he's in this 13-year window of waiting on the dream to become a reality. He faced a temptation. And many people at this point in the journey would have just given in to the temptation, but Joseph did not do that. Chapter 39, look at the very last sentence in verse number six. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in all the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so Joseph viewed her you know, temptation as a temptation to sin against God. Verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, this was not a one-time temptation, this is happening over and over and over again, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so here Joseph is being temp tempted sexually. He's being tempted morally and he's being repeatedly tempted. And yet Joseph thought to himself, wait a second, I can't do this. Not only would I be sinning against Potiphar because this is his wife, not only would I be sinning against the lady herself, but more importantly, I would be sinning against God. And so he got out of Dodge, he ran. He, even before, he didn't have the Bible like we have. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, flee sexual immorality. Well, he was fleeing it. He didn't even have the Bible telling him to flee it. But in his heart, he knew he should, should run and get out of there. And that's exactly what he did. But what I'm saying is sometimes when we're waiting, circumstances are changing, it's easy to say, what's the point? I've tried to be pure all this time. Doesn't seem like anything's happening good for me, so I'm gonna just give in to the temptation. Well, that's a bad decision. And so we wanna continue to pursue purity no matter how long we have to wait. So that's the second question. Question number three, what's more important? Your reputation or your character? Your reputation or your character? Now, we all wanna have a good reputation. It says in Proverbs 22, that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And so we, we, we want to have a good reputation. But let me tell you what a reputation is. A reputation is what other people think of you. Let me tell you what character is. Character is what God knows about you. And so a reputation, your reputation, my reputation, that's what other people think about us. But our character is what God knows about us. And so that leads me to the question, what's more important to you? What other people think about you 
or what God knows about you. You say, well, John, they're both important. I want people to think well of me and to think highly of me. Well, I, I think we all want that. And yet, if we're not careful, we can become more concerned with our reputation than we are our character. More concerned with what other people think than what God knows. The fact is, all of our reputations are wrong in one way or the other. In other words, if you have a reputation for just being a man of, or a woman of great integrity and honesty, well, that's good. And you, you've earned that reputation. And yet the fact of it is, according to the Bible, we've, we've still sinned. And so if somebody puts you on a pedestal and they just think that, that the sun rises and sets on you, well, as wonderful as you are and as holy and godly as you are, you're still a sinner. And so when God looks at you, God says, well, now there's a, this is a person of integrity, but they're not maybe as perfect as other people think they are. And so sometimes, you know, our reputation can, be, can exceed our character and people can think better of us than is even true. And just the opposite is true. Sometimes a person's reputation might be lower than their character actually is. Maybe somebody thinks you know, we should never judge people, but maybe sometimes a person, we do sometimes judge, even though we shouldn't. And so maybe, maybe somebody has wrongly judged you. Maybe they've heard a rumor about you or they formed an opinion about you. And, and, and in their mind, you, your reputation's not that great. But when God looks at your character, God says, you know what? Their character is better than what you think it is. And so what I'm saying is our reputation is what other people think. Our character is what God knows. Don't spend your life and don't spend your energy trying to make people think better of you or trying to improve your reputation. Sometimes you'll hear in Hollywood, maybe an athlete or a celebrity or a politician gets involved in some scandal. And so the scandal is over. And so they'll hire a firm to help recreate their image, their reputation. Well, our reputation is nowhere as important as our character because our character is what God knows to be true. So don't worry about what others think of you. Worry about what God knows about you. Think about Joseph. At this time in his life, most everybody in Egypt who, who knew anything about him thought he was a rapist. And yet we don't find anywhere in Genesis where Joseph was setting out to you know, improve his reputation or get his good name back. No, he wasn't concerned with what people were saying behind his back. He was concerned with what God knew because Joseph knew that one day he would stand before God in judgment. And at that moment, God's judgment is all that would matter. So your reputation, it's not unimportant. It is important, but it's nowhere near as important as your character. And so pursue that and uh, not your reputation. So that's question number three. Question number four, what's more important to you? Your rights or your responsibilities? Now, when I say your rights, I'm not talking about basic human rights. I'm, I'm thinking in the context of Joseph. Here's a man who has been uh, accused of a crime he never committed. Here's a man who's been betrayed by his brothers. Here's a man who's been treated badly. And yet Joseph never tried to to make things right on his own. He never tried to, to take out vengeance on others. He never tried to defend himself. No, Joseph knew that God was his defender, that God was his vindicator. Joseph knew that vengeance was God's business, not his business. And so he wasn't as concerned about his right to defend himself or vindicate himself or extract vengeance on others. Joseph was concerned about his responsibilities his responsibility to trust God, to defend him, 
and his responsibility to love his brothers. And so, you know, I think a lot of times in our lives, we, we, we're much more focused on, I have a right. I have a right to, to, to defend myself here. And I have a right to, to make somebody pay for what they did to me. And I think when God sees that type of attitude, God says, no, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to work on that. And I'm gonna have to get you to a place where you're more concerned with your responsibilities. We're seeing this in our country right now over wearing face masks. And there's, you know, I saw something on the news yesterday. A lot of the grocery stores now, Walmart, restaurants, businesses, they're saying when you go in, you have to wear a mask. And somebody went into a restaurant in some state, and that was the policy, you have to wear a mask. And the lady behind the counter who was taking the man's order, I think she owned the restaurant, she said, sir, would you please put a mask on? And he just went ballistic. And he said, I'm not wearing a mask. I have a right not to wear a mask. Well, there are a lot of people who feel that way. But here's the question. What's more important, your, quote, right not to wear a mask or your responsibility to help keep other people healthy? And this is a very real issue in our country. In fact, I saw last week that a lot of people who are now working at Walmart are either have already quit their jobs or they're thinking about quitting their jobs because when people come into Walmart not wearing a mask, they've been asked to ask the people to wear a mask. And many of the people who are not wearing a mask are being belligerent, are being rude. In some cases, they're even spitting on the employee who says that, you know, just in total defiance and rebellion. And what they're saying is, well, I have my right. I'm an American citizen. Well, when you're right, see, when you look at it like that, you have neglected your responsibility and your responsibility to be thoughtful and compassionate for other people. And so Joseph, now he wasn't dealing with mask and a coronavirus, but he was dealing with my right to defend myself or to take out vengeance or my responsibility to trust God and to love people. So I encourage you to focus on your responsibilities. Question number five, what's more important to you, your calendar or God's calendar? By, by that, I mean your timing or God's timing. You see, we want everything right now. Here, God has given us a dream or a desire, and we say, God, this, is, this desire, I believe, is from you, and so I want it right now. And yet, God says, you can't have it right now. You're going to have to wait, because in the waiting, God is developing our character, and God is developing our faith, and God is making us more and more like Jesus. And so, that's God's test. And so, how did you do on that? Did you get 100 or 80 or a 60? Well, let me say this to you. If you pass that test, if you're able to say, as you think about that test, you know, really, God is more important to me than my dream. My purity is more important to me than, than pleasure. My character, what God thinks is more important to me than my reputation, what other people think. My responsibilities, yeah, I know I have some rights, but really my, I take my responsibilities even more important than I take my rights. And then God's timing, that's really more important to me than my timing. If you can answer those questions like that and say, man, I made 100 on the test, let me tell you what you're gonna have in store for you. You're gonna experience a three-fold blessing in your life because that's exactly what Joseph experienced in his. In other words, when God is humbling you and testing you and you're having to wait it out, if you can pass that test, you're gonna experience a threefold blessing. Let me just mention this quickly, what you can expect as God's blessing on your life. Number one, number one, if you pass that test, there is a blessing that will be in your heart. There's a blessing in your heart. 
when you can pass that test. Now, go to Genesis chapter 50 because we can't study the life of Joseph without looking at these two verses. In fact, I meant for us to look at these two verses last Sunday and just forgot about it. So let's look at it this morning. Genesis chapter 50 and in verse 20 and 21. Now, this is the end of the story. Joseph's brothers who have done him all the bad, all the bad things they did to him, they now are apologizing and repenting and, and they're wanting you know, Joseph to be merciful to them, but they're afraid that Joseph is going to make them pay for what they did. You talk about the heart of God. Listen to what Joseph said in verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. In fact, if you look back in verse 19, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? He's saying, I'm not your judge. You don't answer to me. See, Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. He could have made his brothers pay for what they have done. He could have imprisoned them for the rest of their lives, if not done something worse than that in that position he had. He said, I'm not God. He said, in fact, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about as it is this day. Remember this, when you're going through something difficult and we're all going through something difficult now, God means it for good. God has something good in mind. And then look in verse 21. It says, now, therefore, do not be afraid. Joseph said this, I will provide for you and your little ones. In other words, I'm not gonna punish you. I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna take care of you. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And so Joseph was kind to his brothers. Now, at the end of the story, Joseph, Joseph's heart is full of faith and it's full of love. Here's the question. When Joseph was in the pit, when his brothers first threw him in the pit, was his heart like that? I, maybe so, maybe not. We don't have any record of him saying anything like this early on in the story. How about when Joseph was in the prison being accused of rape? Did he have a heart where he could say, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good? Maybe so, maybe not. But we don't have a record of him saying that. It was not till the very end of the story, not till these 13 years had run their course and the test had been completed that Joseph has now this heart full of faith saying, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, and he's speaking kindly to his brothers. And so what I'm saying to you today is God is humbling us and testing us with this virus right now. But if we will pass the test, there's gonna be a blessing in our heart. We're gonna have faith. We're gonna have love for other people. But the second part of this threefold blessing, not only a blessing in our heart, there's gonna be a blessing before our eyes. You see, when Joseph passed the test, what was he doing? Now he's providing for his brothers. He's providing for everybody living in Egypt during this famine. He's providing for people from all over the world who are traveling to Egypt to buy the grain that he had stored up during the seven years of plenty before the seven years of famine. And so don't you know that during this time, now all these people are coming to Joseph from all around the world. He's giving them food. He's providing grain for them so they can live and not die. That Joseph must have thought, what a blessing this is. I had no idea he must have thought when I was in that pit and in that prison that this was all part of God's plan for my life, not only so that I could have a blessing in my heart of faith and love, but so that I could be a blessing to other people. And friend, that leads me to say to you today, during this test or whatever test you're facing right now, what God has in mind is not just what he wants to do in you, but it's what God wants to do through you to be a blessing to others. That's all part of the test. It's not just about you, it's about other people. And so the blessing before our eyes is that after we come through the test, we have the opportunity to help others, to encourage others, to minister to others. 
who are going through a test in their own lives. And if we'll pass our test, we can help them when they're going through their test. Whereas if we give up in the middle of our test and just you know, say, what's the point now? Well, we'll never have that experience because we'll never be able to really be a blessing, not, not, not as we could have been because we didn't pass our own test. So what I'm saying is there'll be a blessing in your heart and there'll be a blessing before your eyes. And then the third part of this blessing, there'll be a very special blessing just for you. In other words, there'll be something that God will do in your life, very unique and very special just for you. Now, go back to Genesis chapter 41, because I want you to see, as we prepare to close this message today, I want you to see what God did for Joseph after this 13 years of waiting. He had a dream. He had to wait 13 years for the dream to come a reality, but it finally did. And when it became a reality, I want you to notice what God did for Joseph. Look in chapter 41, verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And so part of his blessing was this position he had of the governor of Egypt. Well, now look in verse number 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, and there it is in the Egyptian language, zaphnath Paneah. And he gave him as a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Joseph went on, went out over all the land of Egypt. And so now the second part of his blessing, not only his job, but now he has a wife. Now look in verse number 50, because now he's going to have two kids come into his life. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. And so in verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, and he called the name of the secondborn in verse 51, Ephraim. So what I'm saying is if you pass the test, like Joseph passed the test, well, at the end of the test, or actually as the test was coming to an end, uh, part of it at, at the end, he got to be the prime minister. And also at this part, he gets a wife and he has these two kids. And he names his first son Manasseh, and he names his second son Ephraim. Now, the name Manasseh, and we see this back in verse 51, literally means, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So when Manasseh was born, or when this son was born, Joseph said, I want to name him Manasseh, because in the Hebrew language, Manasseh means forgetfulness. God has made me forget all the pain that I went through. Now, let me ask you a question. When Joseph said, God has made me forget all the pain I went through, do you think that meant that Joseph could no longer remember all the pain he had been through? Well, obviously not, because he's still talking about it, right? I mean, he, he didn't have amnesia. He could still remember what he had gone through. When Joseph said, God has made me forget all my pain, here's what Joseph meant. Joseph did not mean I can no longer remember it, but he meant when I look back over all that, it doesn't hurt me anymore to remember it. It's like a wound. Sometimes you'll cut yourself and the, you, you, know, you, you bleed. I've got a, a little scar right here on my finger. Years ago, I cut myself, and it bled and bled and bled, and I had to go to one of these emergency rooms, and they had to fix it all up. Well, at that time, if I would have touched that, man, it would have hurt really badly because I had cut myself pretty good. But today, I'm looking at that little scar. I touched the scar. The scar doesn't hurt at all. What is a scar? A scar is a wound that has healed. One of the blessings that God will bring into your life during your 13 years of waiting or however long you have to wait on God to make the dream become a reality is God will so heal you of the pain that you've had to go through in your life, not that you'll forget about it, but if it, will, it will no longer hurt when you remember it. The wound will turn into a scar. 
And that's what he did for Joseph in his life. And then his second son, notice he named him Ephraim, and he named him that because the name Ephraim means fruitful. And he said, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Isn't it interesting that after Joseph went all through these things in Egypt, falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten, all having to wait all these many years for anything good to happen in his life, isn't it interesting when the test was over that God made Joseph fruitful right there in the land of his affliction? He didn't have to go back to Israel. Uh, he didn't go back to Israel. They took his bones back after he died, but Joseph died in Egypt. And so it says to me that when we go through a difficult time in our life, God is many times wanting to make us fruitful in the land of our affliction, right in the same place where we went through that test. And so what am I saying today? I'm saying that God is in the process of testing all of us. And, and if we will pass the test, God's going to do some great things in our life. He's going to give us a blessing in our hearts, stronger faith and greater love. He's going to give us a blessing before our eyes. We're going to be able to see other people that maybe we can somehow encourage or minister to. And then he's going to give us a very special blessing in our life, just like he did for Joseph. Gave him a high-ranking job where he could have influence. Gave him a wife. Gave him kids. He did something special for him. What I'm saying to you today is God's going to do something special for you. Now, as we close today, I want us to read. In fact, I think it's going to be on the screen. I want us to look at this Deuteronomy 8.16. Because if you don't think any, take anything else away from this sermon today, and I hope you take a lot of things away from it, but if you don't take anything else, take the last half of this verse. Look at it there on your screen. That he might humble you and that he might test you, but watch this part, to do you good in the end. What did God do for Joseph? He humbled him and he tested him, but boy, did he ever do Joseph good in the end. What is God doing with us right now? He's humbling us, first of all. He's showing us we're not as strong as we thought we were. He's testing us. This virus is dragging on and on and on. But what is God up to? God is in the process of doing us good in the end. And I encourage you, pass the test, keep trusting him, pursue purity, and uh, one of these days, you're gonna experience the blessing that God has in store for you. Amen? Well, with our heads bowed and eyes closed today, Father, I thank you that even during those times in life when we're being humbled and we're being tested, that you're in the process of doing something fantastic in our lives. And God, we can't always see it. In fact, normally we can't see it until the test is over. And God, I thank you for old Joseph and for how faithful he was, God, during those 13 years. I'm sure there were many times he thought, where's God now? What happened to my dream? Doesn't seem like anything's happening in my life. In fact, things are going from bad to worse. And yet he stayed in faith. He stayed in love. He kept pursuing you. And he kept trying to live a pure and holy life. And God, there came a day out there when you rewarded him for that. And God, I just pray for that person who's listening today. And they're wondering, how long is what I'm going through going to drag on? How long do I have to wait for my dream to become a reality? God, we don't know the answer to that question, but we know this, if we'll keep waiting and if we'll keep trusting you and if we'll keep pursuing you with all of our hearts, that before it's all said and done, you're gonna do something fantastic in us, through us, and for us. And so with your head bowed and eyes closed today, would you ask God to give you what it takes to wait it out? 
what it takes, the faith and the patience and the endurance to wait it out. And would you thank God, thank God that while you're waiting, he's doing something great in you, even if you can't see it. One day he'll do something great through you. And before it's all over with, he's going to do something great for you. He has a special blessing in mind just for you. Now, some today, as you've listened to this message, God has convicted you that you need to be saved. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray right now and receive Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. It may be the reason that God has allowed you to be where you are right now is so you would turn to him in repentance and faith. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. And I ask you right now, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. I trust you, Lord. Welcome to my heart. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. In your name I pray. And all the people said, Amen and amen.